Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am thriving in my sobriety. As of this recording, I am 73 days sober, and today we're happy to welcome an amazing guest from Rainbow Hill Sober Living. Rainbow Hill Sober Living was founded by Joey Backrack and Andrew Fox when they realized there was a need for sober livings catered to members of their community. They wanted to create an exciting, colorful, but most importantly, safe space for men who identify as gay, bi, non-binary, questioning, and transgender. They created a sober living environment where the residents pride themselves on being true to who they are so they can focus on their sobriety. The goal for Rainbow Hill Sober Living is to give a foundation and stepping stone for every man who walks through the doors. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with one of its co-founders, Joey. Welcome to the show, Joey. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. And before we get too much into Rainbow Hill itself, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with alcohol and how you found yourself here. Yeah, so as I said, my name is Joey and I am an alcoholic. I have three and a half years of sobriety. This is not my first time though. A relapse is actually part of my story. My first go around, I had about 15 and a half months and I thought that I wasn't an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and it all goes back down to acceptance. And once I fully accepted that I am an alcoholic and that there's nothing to be ashamed of, I got back on the horse and I've been sober since November 22nd, 2017. Congratulations on that. So can you tell us maybe what was different between your first time getting sober and this time? Yeah. So my first go around, I did the 12 step, I 12 steps. I did everything I was supposed to do by the book. Uh, and I thought that if I had a year under my belt that I would be quote unquote cured and I wouldn't be an alcoholic anymore. And I decided that after a year I would see if maybe I could test the waters, but when I got a year, I still waited about another three to five months before actually making the decision to pick up a drink. And I thought that it was because I had enough time that I could say, Hey, you know what? I am no longer an alcoholic, but I think in reality, I always thought that forever was going to just be too long and I would be able to start partying again. It took about seven months before everything that I built in those 15 months of sobriety to burn to shit. Like it was awful. I almost lost my job. I almost lost my partner who is Andrew Fox. Um, 
And I lost all self-worth. And when I get in that space, I lock myself in a room. I will go on a bender for three days, wake up, feel totally fine. Then I'll recharge for three days. And that was going on for seven months. And then I took a trip to Europe and I put myself in a very bad situation, which put me in the hospital. And I also smoked meth, which I had never done before. And it really shook me to my core. So it scared the fuck out of me. I was really surprised about how, like, why is this happening to me? Like, how did I get so far gone in such a short period of time? And on that trip, I had an aha moment, I guess you could call it a God shot, but I, I, accepted that I, you know, I can't drink and everything that's ever happened to me, anything that's been bad, a majority of the things could have been prevented if I decided not to have that one drink. I put myself in questionable situations and I can't be mad at what happened, but it could have all been avoidable. So, I I mean, I I don't know how else to describe it other than it literally woke me up (laughs) and I decided not to drink anymore. And I haven't looked back. Thank God I don't have cravings. I have a partner who is sober and he has, well, he'll have 11 years in October. So he's always been my rock, which has been nice. And although I had a hiccup, (laughs) a very long hiccup Mm -hmm. that lasted for seven months, he stood by my side and I don't think I would have been able to do it without him. So he's the main person in my life that has helped me stay sober. But at the end of the day, I needed to do it for myself. And I'm happy that I did because I would not be where I am today without that. And neither would Rainbow Hill. So I am thankful that I'm an alcoholic and I appreciate that I've accepted it. So that's excellent. Yes. And I remember when I first was walking into meetings and people would say that they're a grateful alcoholic. I was like, what kind of bullshit is that? But even even like so quickly, I'm starting to feel that way just because things are better in my life now. Like my worst day sober is better than my best day drunk. Exactly. And something that helped me a lot, obviously going to meetings, but I have a therapist who is phenomenal. She's also a member of our community and she's an alcoholic. And something that really stuck with me was alcoholism and same thing goes with friends. So I haven't talked to one of, well, he's no longer my best friend because of his drinking habits and I needed to be able to take care of myself and I have set up healthy boundaries, but with alcohol and with toxic people, the best advice would be, well, something that helped me a lot was it was fun with fun, then it was fun with problems, then it was problems with fun, and then it was problems with problems. And then if it's problems with problems, that's when you know you kind of got to cut that out and just drop it and move on. So that's how I accepted the fact that, hey, you know what? It's not a big deal. And I have so much to be thankful for because I'm sober. Yes, I, I can see that. I mean, especially with R- Rainbow Hill now helping so many other people, what inspired you to start it? So back in 2013, I was in a sober living uh, with all straight guys and girls. It was a co-ed house and I was the only gay guy in the entire house. Mm-hmm. I personally had a great time, but after talking to people in the rooms, I found that that just wasn't the case for them. They had been bullied. They were promised that it was going to be an affirming environment, which it wasn't. And 
gay friendly has turned into a cheap marketing tactic. And for us, we had the opportunity because my family had an extra property in Echo Park and we presented the idea to my mother and she thought that it would be very beneficial to our community and said, okay, well, propose something and let's see what we can do. So Andrew and I completely renovated the house. We painted everything by hand, built all the beds, did all the design in six and a half weeks. Wow. And we took the gamble. And we are now almost completely full with only two spots left, which has been really insane. It's been great though. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I, I know that one of your missions is to offer structure and accountability to the people living there. Now, for, I'm not familiar with even the concept really of what sober living is like. So can you tell us more about what the structure and accountability look like to a resident? Yeah. So the way that we like to, we don't like to call ourselves a sober living. Our guys have described us as a sober home. We're very family oriented and we've created a very nice tight knit community and brotherhood. Everyone looks out for each other. And as far as accountability goes, we trust them and we hope that we know that if they trust us, we'll trust them. So it goes both ways. They have to check in with us daily. We have an on-site manager who lives at the property. And then Andrew and I are both very present. We're not only owners, but we also work here. So we have our respective shifts. I actually stayed here for three nights the other week while our house manager was out celebrating his birthday. And it was a really nice time. We had family dinner. We watched movies, cooked, cleaned. Everyone has their chores to do on Saturday. So it's really nice. Everyone gets to get up and clean up. And I get to watch (laughs) because they're learning how to get those life skills back. So as far as accountability goes, everyone checks in with each other. They They look out after each other. And... It's just, I don't know how else to say it other than they hold each other accountable. And at the end of the day, that's what's important here is having that brotherhood. Yeah. And that is definitely something that I can see people needing as they're getting sober. Now, I would recommend anyone listening to definitely go to your website and check out the videos and see more about what your living space intermediates are. The fact that you guys did that in six and a half weeks is just mind blowing because it is beautiful. However, this isn't a really visual medium. So can you tell us about how the house is set up? Yeah. So we have four rooms in the main house and each room has their own unique name. We have the two rooms downstairs, one is called the Nemo because it's white and orange. We were going to name it Orange Creamsicle, but then thought that was way too sexually charged. So we did not name it that. So it's the <laughs> Nemo. It's a very, it can sleep three guys. Each room has their own AC unit, which is really nice. So that was a nice upgrade since the house was built in 1901. So there's a lot of charm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to add on to that. So that's the Nemo room. And then there's the retro room, which is right off the kitchen and Andrew painted a beautiful mural and it has a really nice, I guess, retro vibe. So the older guys of the house like to sleep in that room and that also sleeps three. And then we have two rooms upstairs. We have the Oasis room, which is like a desert getaway, like aqua blue and tan. And we have some cacti. I think that's what you call them, but it's a really nice, it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice getaway. And then we have our 2D room, which I'm actually doing this interview on, which is pink, blue, and has a lot of polka dots. Mm -hmm. 
We have two bathrooms downstairs, which weren't there originally. We added two brand new bathrooms because uh, being a member of the Sober Living Network, we are held to a higher accountability and standards. So if we have a certain amount of guys, we have to have a certain amount of refrigerators and bathrooms. So we added two new bathrooms. We turned our shed that was outside into a full functioning gym, which is lime green and blue and yellow and we have lights that change colors to the beat of the music and we have a huge movie projector screen that we we have other houses come over and we have movie night and then we will officially be opening the cottage which is a guest house in the back house that will be able to house three to four guys it has a full kitchen full bathroom And right now we've currently been using it as an Airbnb for sober travelers because we have been sponsoring a lot of the residents ourselves this time. We have been using the funds from the Airbnb to help finance the sober living. So, or shall I say sober home? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's it's very whimsical. So I highly encourage everyone to go check out our site, which is rainbowhillsoberliving.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call. Yeah. Well, what is your favorite room in the house? I would probably have to say my favorite room is the 2D room Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's the brightest and I love pink. Mm -hmm. I want to add a lot of pink in here and it just, it also, I think has the best view. Yeah. Excellent. And if someone was local near you, what would they do or how does the process work to become a resident there? So the process of becoming a resident here is a little different than other sober livings because we're not looking to just fill up a bed. It's important for us to interview the guys, both Andrew and myself will do a normal interview process, asking them the general questions as far as how much time they have under their belt and see if they're really serious about staying sober. The second half of the interview process is we invite our guys to join in on zoom and interview with a prospective resident so they can also see if they'd be a good match. And it's almost like a fun audition, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they ask questions about drag race and it's, it's a really good time. And it gives a chance for our guys to know that they're involved in helping us choose and decide who would be a good fit for our home. Because it's not, like I said, it's not about just filling up beds. If you have one person you can throw off that synergy it's just it'll mess up the whole house and that's not what we want to do so it's important that everyone's on the same page and yeah so that's that's really how one applies and you know gets to become a rainbow hill uh, resident excellent and when someone gets to move in what does an average day at rainbow hill look like Some of our guys have jobs, others have IOP, which is intensive outpatient for those who are currently or just recently leaving treatment. If they have under 30 days, we highly encourage them to be in an IOP or have a therapist or have something that helps them stay sober, whether it's going to meetings, which is a requirement for a minimum of three times a week with us, or looking for a job, we will help them find a job. But at the beginning of when they first move here, it's very important that they know that it's not the first thing they have to start doing. We don't want them jumping right back into the real world as far as getting jobs. You're just asking for trouble. So if they are home, we do normal routine 
day-to-day stuff, like making sure the house is in order, making sure they're up. Every day we have to wake up at eight and everyone always seems to wake up a lot earlier. So I don't know why, (laughs) but waking up at eight was hard for me this morning. Yeah. Um, And then lunch, we don't, we we provide the, the basic essentials, but because we're not a treatment center, we don't provide meals, but we do have family dinners where one of the guys or two of them will cook for the entire house and then we'll take turns cleaning. And everyone just goes to meetings. Yeah. <laughs> they carpool. They have there's CMA, there's A, there's SA. And then on Thursday nights, we have an open meeting. It's an LGBT meeting for CMA in the backyard here. So anyone's welcome. And that's every Thursday night at 7 p.m. That sounds great. And how long is a typical stay or how does that work? We just opened officially May 15th and our guys have implied that they want to be with us for a while, whether that's three months to a year or longer. It doesn't really matter. The main requirement is that they stay sober. And eventually, although I'll be really sad and the mother of the house will probably mm-hmm. cry, they the goal is for them to eventually be you know moving out and being independent. And if they need help with finding apartments, Andrew and I are both realtors, so we're happy to help them in that way. But typically, I'm assuming maybe three months, but there's no minimum. So Mm. as long as you're sober and you want to live here, we're happy to have you. Uh, Excellent. And with your entire model being built around community, one of the things that drew me to being fascinated by you guys is that where I live in Sarasota, Florida, there's not really a, a large community like what you have. So uh, what advice would you have for listeners that are in areas where they might not have access to a sober home? There are a lot of zoom meetings that are taking place in West Hollywood that you can add, you can join yourself on the zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can send that over to you if you can post it. Yeah. I, I can, yeah, I'll get that over to you, but there are a lot of support groups. There's also one on Tuesdays, for a treatment center called Akua, who has a new LGBT track, which is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And it's called Pride Room. And that's every Tuesday. And it's a support group for alcoholics and re- recovering addicts who are members of our community. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> get it, get it good. I mean, I how are meetings in Sarasota? They're they're okay. I know that like my home group that I found that I consider like the place is like on zoom and it's actually based out of New York city every night. So I've been really struggling to find that like kind of local community in Sarasota. It's to the point now where I'm working on like building it. So to like speak, I'm trying to make like a sober meetup in like the late October to early November timeframe, just to kind of see what kind of community response and reception, even that is to have, you know, rather than having every single week, something at one of the gay bars being bar related or drinking related, having something just to be about sobriety, like maybe at a coffee shop or something, but it is very much, I'm finding it's about building your own community when one doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I think you're onto something there is just start your own. Yeah. Now, (laughs) yeah. What are some tips that you use to help you stay sober? Staying humble and acceptance and you're not responsible for other people's reactions. You're only responsible for the way that you react. And I had, I mean, I apply that to my daily life. There are people who 
I don't understand. They function the way that they are, but I have no control over that. So I've just let go (laughs) and just let them do them. And I will do me. And yeah, I think that, I mean, that's pretty much it. I can't change other people. And my number one tip would honestly be, although it's going to be really hard for some people, I know it was for me, was to completely cut out the toxic people in your life. Mm-hmm. And everything else will fall into place, I promise. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can imagine. Um, I was blessed, like, luckily, where I didn't have too many toxic people, but I was, you know, when I would drink, I would put myself into toxic situations. So staying sober did a big part of keeping me away from them. But Yes, I can imagine if you have the toxicity around you, that won't help keep you sober. Now, with sobriety, I know that we really love our steps, our traditions, and our sayings. Do you have any sort of favorite saying or mantra that you love to share with newcomers? Although it's really simple, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Mm -hmm. Because it's true. It is so true. I was very resilient. I was so resistant when I first got into the rooms. I was like, oh, this shit's never going to work. Like, they don't know me. They don't understand me. I'm unique. No. Honestly, I would just say go in there with an open heart and open mind. And what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? That it actually works? Yeah. That's honestly, I mean, that would be, yeah, that's my favorite mantra. Obviously, the serenity prayer, because I like saying that every single night before I go to bed. But it does work if you work it. Yes. So yeah, keep coming back. <laughs> yes. And thank you so much, Joey, for all of your sharing and listeners definitely keep on coming back. One way you can keep coming back is to make sure you're following us wherever you're listening. So you get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in sharing your story, you're sharing something awesome that you're doing for the LGBT sober community like Joey here, you can always email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, Joey. And what about you would you like to promote? What would I like to promote about myself? The only thing I want to promote is Rainbow Hill Sober Living. (laughs) Yes. And so where can they find you? You can find us on Instagram at Rainbow Hill Sober Living or on Facebook at Rainbow Hill Sober Living Excellent. and our website, rainbowhillsoberliving.com. <laughs> you, you make it very easy for us to find you. So I will make very sure that easy. with all my information, all your information is posted in the show notes too. So listeners, you can just scroll up and you'll see it all right there. So you can click on over. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And until next time, everyone stay sober, friends.